0: All right, everybody, thanks for uh, joining me today. I've got a great interview lined up. I'm really happy to have Jake Goldman and John Eckman here from 10Up. Uh, welcome to both of you. Glad
1: to be here. Thanks, thanks for having us.
0: Uh, is that the first introduction of the two of you together as 10Uppers?
1: Uh, uh, outside of the company, yes, it is. Awesome. I was say, other than two other 10Uppers, yeah, that's
0: probably true. So there's some uh, big news, John. You're new to 10Up. Uh, You are 10Up's new CEO. Um, So Uh Jake is founder and president. Can you tell us a little bit about this story and how it came about?
2: Sure. John, you want to tell some of the background?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I I think that, you know, the long and short of it is Jake and I have known each other since uh, 2009 when we first uh, met at WordCamp New York to start planning the first WordCamp in Boston. And you know, I've watched uh, 10 Ups Evolution from uh, the day when it was just Jake all the way up through as they've crashed on through 40 and 50 and even uh, maybe 60. And, and uh, Jake and I have had a number of conversations over the years about working together. And it just uh, this time, the timing was right. Um, you know, the organization is on a fantastic growth plan and is doing a lot of really good work. Uh, and I'm excited that uh, he's allowed me on board. Awesome. So... Uh,
2: you know, to add to that, I've, I think I've you know I've told a few different people. I've told the company. Well, I've been talking about the idea of a CEO for probably over a year and a half, right? Maybe even two years at this rate. Um, I always had the idea in my head that my best skills and my best focus aren't necessarily on the day-to-day sort of operational mechanics of the company. Aren't necessarily on leader, you know, on leadership growth plans. Um, and it's not always on execution of vision. Um, so I'd always liked the idea. and I'd compelled by the idea of somebody better than me at those day-to-day. Uh, chief executive kind of roles but i was very determined and i talked to you know a bunch of different people over the last year and a half very determined that i wasn't going to pull that trigger unless i was 100 percent confident that you know that the candidate was as strong as our team was at doing things like engineering and design and you know I, I couldn't be more excited that i was able to make it work out with john
0: great so john uh who are you for everyone that doesn't know yet
1: so for those who, who don't know me, you can find all about me at com and, and other links I'm sure we can throw in the show notes. But, um, you know, I've spent the last 15 years in web development in the agency world. Um, before that, I was actually in academia. I, I did a PhD in American Lit and was an instructor at University of Washington. And kind of that's where I found the web in the, in the mid-90s, um, right as it came about. And... Um, You know, back around 99, 2000, I made a decision to go work on the web for a while, and so I'll give it six months, and, uh, of course, that was 15 years ago, and I've never looked back, right? Um, So I've spent a long time in uh, web development, specifically with focus on content management. Um, In the last eight years, I've really focused in on open source, so in both the WordPress community and the Drupal community. So, folks in the WordPress community probably know me most from being one of the organizers of WordCamp Boston uh, in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, and soon to be in 2014. It's um, a good run. I've also, yeah, it's it's been a great it's been a great conference. I've also spoken at WordCamp in Providence, in New York, and, and elsewhere. Um, and I have a couple of plugins in the repository. Probably the most well known of which is WP Book, which was, uh, I believe, the first, if not um, one of the best, uh, Facebook integration plugins. Uh, the pre-JetPack, before JetPack had publicized era. Uh, in addition to that, I've also spent a lot of time in the Drupal community, at uh, a couple of Drupal camps, uh, have some uh, modules in their repo. And you know I've really spent the last five or six years of my career focused on web publishing and open source and, and trying to align with WordPress's mission of democratizing publishing and 10up's mission of making content publishing easy and maybe even fun, right? So I think there's a really solid alignment between the things I've been focused on, how uh, open source impacts the enterprise and and how it can really make digital publishing more efficient and and more effective uh, with kind of the way Tenup has lined up around WordPress as a CMS. And obviously, in addition to all of that, I've spent a lot of time working with enterprises. I've been a developer, a technical architect, a user experience consultant, a project manager, a program manager. Uh, director, I've kind of done it all except visual design. Visual design is the one thing you want to keep me away from, as you'll see if you look at my own blogs. Um, and, and you know, really have seen uh, kind of the ins and outs of what it means to be in the services business and what it means to run a large services team. And, and so that's where I hope to be able to
0: contribute. What was your latest role? Um, so most recently I was
1: uh, managing director at a company called eyesight design, which is an agency with, uh, offices in Portland and in Boston, um, Oregon, that is Boston.
0: Are you in Boston?
1: I'm just outside of Boston in Salem, mass.
0: Okay. And Jake, you're from, you're from that area originally.
2: Yep. I grew up in Southern new England and Connecticut and spent about 10 years in Rhode Island, which some people call a big suburb of Boston. Um, now I'm out on the West coast. I, uh,
0: and you're outside of Portland now.
2: Uh, I'm actually outside of uh, Sacramento, oh, okay. so Northern California.
0: Okay. Um, but y'all have an office in Portland.
2: We do. We have a small office. We're have center of gravity of about six employees in Portland, Oregon.
0: Okay. So our developed... team,
1: is all... team is very distributed, right? So um...
0: Yeah, so that's only about 10% of the company then that's uh, in yep. Portland. Yep.
2: And the Midwesterners, I mean, it's still our biggest city presence, although the Midwesterners, I'm starting to notice are... Uh... Minnesota, Milwaukee is starting to take over as a town center of gravity.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so, John, have you worked with distributed teams before?
1: I have. So, uh, you know, I as, I as I said, had two different offices. So, we often had teams distributed across them, and we had a couple other employees who were remote—one um, in Denver, one in New Mexico, etc. More importantly, I've worked. Uh, before that for a company called Optaros, which was an open source consultancy, um, now very focused on e-commerce, but at the time was very focused on um, content management systems. And we had offices in uh, LA, San Francisco, Austin, Texas, Boston, London, Geneva, Zurich, Munich, Bucharest, and Manila. <laughs> um, so I think we covered a pretty wide variety of time zones, and mm-hmm. you know I think the open source space in particular has proved you can accomplish a lot with a team that's distributed throughout the world, as long as their objectives are clear and they have good ways to communicate with each other. And you know, some of the same tools that that say WordPress as a project uses to communicate with each other um, are exactly leverageable when you're doing client work, right? So we tend to use like we use HipChat instead of sort of open IRC channels, but it's sort of a very similar kind of experience.
0: Yeah, I use HipChat as well, and I, I swear about it. It's a really great tool for uh, remote workers, especially. Kind of gives that water cooler component. Um absolutely. And also being able to to pipe in, you know, code commits and Basecamp or whatever tools you use straight into hip chat projects is is really, really nice. Um so Jake, as y'all have scaled uh from one employee just over three years ago to 60 plus now, I'm sure there's been some challenges in the tooling and the organizational structure that you use. Uh, what have some of those challenges been, and and John, how is your expertise going to be able to to lend to improving y'all's uh, workflows moving forward?
2: So I think the the growing pains where we've had them, and undeniably, I think as any company that you know grows quickly or just grows, you go through some growing pains phases. The biggest growing pains phases for us have been identifying when when we need to readjust our, our, our structure of our company, right? So when we were around, we really scaled incredibly flat until we were about fifteen probably somewhere between 10 and 15 people. We then sort of broke off and said, let's form a leadership, it's still very flat, but let's have a leadership team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which at the time, the, the model that we took is we had, I mean, Jess is one of our, now one of our vice presidents was sort of like a senior project manager. And we took some of our best engineers, right? And made them sort of, you know, pro, you know, other leaders, of the company that would group other groups of engineers together to sort of be, you know, be teams. Um, and that, that worked um, until we got, I think, to about probably in the mid 20s um, when that was clearly very wobbly, in large part because just because someone's a great engineer doesn't mean that they're really a great team leader mm-hmm. um, of people. And they're not necessarily the ones, they're not necessarily having any involvement in the other seven people that they're working with other than just trying to be a mentor. And a mentor is necessarily a team leader. Um, so at that point, we, we had to realize, I think, in, in all cases, probably just in the nick of time, right? If not, maybe even a little bit late right, in the game that we needed to restructure again. So when we started to get into our mid-20s, we made a very aggressive effort to very quickly change the model so that we were a little bit unflattened, right? So we introduced we introduced the notion of pods, right, as a structure to the company um, where we sort of have what we call senior web strategists, which are really project account managers with some experience that's deeper than just, you know, looking at Gantt charts and moving timelines around. Mm-hmm. Um, and those those now lead teams of um, of somewhere between 7 to 10, you know, people in the company. Um, So moving into the pod structure was the next big move. At our current scale, I think, you know, again, we I wish that we had been faster at realizing when we needed to add another set of pods right within the company. We're now moving to add what we call producer roles within those pod teams to help with a lot more of the administration and the day-to-day operations um, of those pods to free up those strategists to actually do things like strategy. Is it Um, safe
0: to say that your pod structure is relatively similar to like a service iteration of automatics teams um, just for the people who may have more understanding of automatics teams uh, company structure?
2: Um, Loosely. So I mean, my understanding of automatics teams, which admittedly, I mean, automatics also growing so quickly that it's a little bit hard to keep track of how they're (laughs) scaling their teams. Um, But my understanding is that they're a little bit more centric to working on a specific project. Right, our product, where our team, where our pods sometimes cross over, right, and are more focused around organization of clients, multiple clients. Okay, right, so multiple each personnel. pod
0: could have design, development, uh, strategy, whatever.
2: Yeah, I mean, we our design pod is is actually broken off from the other pods, right? But within each pod, like you could have two, three team members very closely collaborating on a big client. Right, and then you mm-hmm. can have one of those pod members that are working on a bunch of small clients, right, and having very, then be participating in a weekly meeting and getting some code review, very loosely participating with their other team members. So it's because of the scale, the kind of work that we do, which varies greatly, it's more of a personnel and account organization than mm-hmm. it is a. We all work on this how one do, account.
0: How does communication work between pods, and how does how does the company keep up with each other?
2: Um, so. The way that we're structured, we have a vice president of consulting services, um, Jess jerk an extremely talented um, pro- you know, project manager and strategist. Um, she um, she oversees what we call the again the senior web strategists, the pod leaders. They meet. Each of them meets weekly one-on-one video chat with her um, to stay updated, to give her updates, make sure that communication is flowing both directions around incoming projects and resourcing and how the workload is within their teams where they need to add more people, how personnel are performing. There's also a weekly meeting of all the senior web strategists, um, you know, both the pod managers and a couple of senior web strategists that kind of float outside right, of the pods where they jointly collaborate often bringing in our new development person new business development personnel to talk about what's coming in when people are freeing up we have a resourcing system where we can where we pretty well forecast how far out people are booked uh and at what percentage so there's a lot of very good communication strong communication regular communication both hour by hour in hip chat and then with regular regular conferences
1: yeah i mean, i think what the what the team has done really well is you know our, um, gotten too attached to structure or allowed that to substitute for good communication, right? So so I've worked in kind of 20-person shops and 50-person shops and 100-person companies and 400-person companies. And and at every level, there's kind of different organizational strategies that make sense. And that's one of the places that I'll be working with take on, on the managers and Baskin and others. Um, but no matter what that structure is, it's no substitute for Uh, What I like to think of as sort of defensive driving, right? It's I'm paying attention to what I'm doing, but I'm also looking out at what my colleagues are doing, and I'm looking for opportunities to help them. I'm looking to broadcast kind of what my team and I are up to in a way that um, conveys information without too much noise, right? And and it's people who are really smart at doing that. Um, And I think Jake and the team have done a really good job of of choosing the right pod leaders who can who can manage that um, amount of communication. Um, you know, I think that structure may evolve as we continue to grow, but it's never about finding the right structure. It's about a mix of the right structure and the right people who are willing to do the right work within it, right? And, and I think that's what we've been really successful with.
0: So when you talk about continuing to grow, I think that's a concept that a lot of people in the WordPress community, myself included, uh, have a hard time grasping. Um, because when you think what's a large service agency within our realm, uh, sixty to one hundred sounds pretty huge. Uh, that's and that's y'all's current term, um, but as you talk about, you know, you've worked with organizations with four hundred. There are consulting organizations with a uh, thousand employees or more. Oh yeah, What does that next stage look like, uh, and how does it change, um, not just the communication but the culture of an organization? And how do you look forward to dealing with those issues?
2: And those are great, smart questions, and. Um... I want to share a philosophical standpoint, and I want I probably want John to talk a little bit too, because I think part of us dealing with this is, I mean, as John spoke to, John has experience with what it means, what's effective, and what's not effective, right, in organizations that are much larger, you know, than 10 up um, I mean, one of the reasons I think bringing John on board was critical, right, is because the truth is, I have leadership experience in agencies as large as about 110, but never, never in the kind of position of leadership that John's been in. Um, you know, and I think that he brings a depth of experience and a perspective, um, you know, and a clarity of thinking that adds immensely to our ability to do that successfully and not just sort of get to this just in time kind of mode, um, that we're often in with me. Um, so I will say philosophically, cause I get the question all the time internally at our team meetups and externally of the, how big do you want Tenup to be? Um, and my reply to that is always as big as it can be while well, we do great work right? And while we can do great projects, to me, the number of people, believe it or not, is irrelevant. I never thought, I mean, when I started the company, I actually thought I'll take a year off and not have to manage any people um, and take a break from uh, leadership. We saw how that worked out. I think after the first year, I said, well, maybe I could see us being a 15 to 20 person agency, kind of a smaller size, you know, you know, you know, boutique, you know, style kind of agency. Um, and then we saw how that went. Um, so, to, I mean, to me, like it, I'll risk being grandiose and saying, right, if you if you go back and you ask people that you think of as as great leaders, right, which I don't know that they started out with the intention of being great leaders, um, people like you know that we look up to in this industry, like the you know like like the Jeff Bezos and the and the Steve Jobs and the Bill Gates. I think if you went to them when they started their company, right, they started their vision and they said how many people should be in your company, I, I think you would have gotten a blank stare back. Like what 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 relevance is that to my to my mission and what I'm trying to accomplish? It's however many people it needs to be. Mm-hmm. right, for us to do great things. Um, and that, that's my personal perspective on size. I think we can get larger. I think there's room for us to do even more, right, and do what we do even better and grow into other areas. I don't think we're going to have the 300% year-over-year growth we've seen in the last few years because I don't think you can add 120 people in the next year and not completely shatter culture, right, in quality, which is very important to us. Um, I do think we'll continue to grow at the rate that's, at a rate that's healthy and allows us to keep doing great work.
1: Right. I mean, it's a little bit like the sort of, you know, it should be as simple as it can be, but no simpler, right? Um, we want to be as big as we can be, but no bigger. And I, I think the, so the two sort of countervailing values, one is we want to retain uh, quality of work and quality of culture. And so we don't want to do, grow too quickly. On the other hand, growing does enable us to have more impact in some of the places we'd like to have more impact, right? So 10UP has, has, um, in many ways, uh, pushed the WordPress ecosystem and pushed WordPress as a CMS into some larger enterprises, and I think we want to keep doing that, um, but not in such a way that that interferes with uh, our culture or, or or our quality.
0: When you say places we want to have more impact, do you mean something like government, like a segment of of uh, client base that WordPress really hasn't tapped?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, it's, it's uh, every time I find myself saying there's some part of the, the the market that WordPress hasn't tapped, somebody sends me an example of where WordPress has been tapped in that industry. I we to be careful about saying there are places we haven't been, but certainly increased spi- presence where the spigot doesn't flow. Exactly. Certainly increased presence in in uh, government and higher ed and in the enterprise. Um, but I think it's also you know the classic kind of characterization of how WordPress is used. So. You know, is it being used in some of those institutions, but only as a product microsite, or only as a blog, or only as some other kind of um, sub-project as opposed to their primary site? Um, you know, I'm I'm interested in continuing to bring the joy that is using WordPress to more and more people who otherwise don't get exposed to it, and I think size will help us with that.
0: That said, though, I mean, I know that y'all have stated specifically that even though Tenup's tool of choice is WordPress, Tenup you try not to consider yourselves a, a WordPress specific company. Um, you're merely using and supporting the tools that you find value in with the majority of your work. Um, that said, John, is some of your experience with other tools do you anticipate that will come into play as y'all grow and expand kind of the type of projects that you do. And do you see more uh, division of those tools in, in 10 in ups future? So I certainly
1: think it'll have an impact. I mean, I think, one of the kind of things that Jake and I have always talked about is, is the WordPress community can at times be too inwardly focused and can miss opportunities to, to learn uh, both from what other communities and platforms are doing, but also outside the platform conversation, what's happening in the world of content strategy and what's happening in the world of design and, and engineering more broadly, right? not just uh, in other platforms. So I certainly think it will have an impact from that point of view. I think understanding how enterprises think about CMS selection and how they go through that process and knowing, um, not that I know other platforms as well as I know WordPress, but knowing Adobe CQ and knowing Sitecore and knowing uh, Interwoven and and Drupal and and knowing what all these other platforms do is certainly valuable as you try to understand um, who and what kind of project WordPress is the right fit for and when. Um, I do think, you know, in the sort of longer term picture of 10up, we want to focus on our mission of, of making content publishing easy and maybe even fun. And, and right now we feel like WordPress is the, the best platform for that. Um, but I think we've kind of tried to recognize that that could change in the future. Um, not that WordPress is going anywhere, but, uh, as we evolve and as platforms evolve, there might be room for some adjacencies, some places where we get involved in other things, just as today, you know, you might get involved in some uh, other platforms in terms of migrations or integrations or APIs or mm-hmm. mobile development or other kinds of things that are adjacent to what we do. We don't want people to feel like uh, if it isn't on WordPress, 10Up can't help us at the same time as we do want to keep and, and double down on our investment in the WordPress community, right? So, so I certainly... I don't yeah. want to join 10UP just to see it stop being a WordPress company. It's definitely the community I, I live and work in and mm-hmm. want to continue.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the values that are very, very near to our heart are open source mm-hmm. right? values. We do not want to see us go back to an era of proprietary, closed source, Roche Motels, own your own data, no control right systems. Um, we, I think we very strongly believe that in our core. Um, I think it would be a very, a very strange time for 10UP if the open source tools stopped being Good and stop being available. Mm-hmm. Um, within the open source community, we obviously, I you know I've said this over and over again. We fervently believe that WordPress is the best platform for the kind of work that's central to our mission. We want it very badly to succeed and be successful. So those we don't go back to those days of proprietary, which is why we give back so much to it. At the same time, um, at the same time, John's certainly been around long enough. I've been around long enough um, to see platforms come and go. Right. To see things like Flash be the greatest, hottest, bestest ever next thing that everybody should learn and then completely tank, right, and disappear. I shudder to think what it would mean to be a quote, Flash agency, mm-hmm. right, you know, in 2010. I 2000. guarantee
0: you they still exist.
2: I'm sure they do, but I don't think they're, <laughs> I don't know if they're 60 person, you they're know, not thriving. Times. Yeah. And I feel, I also think it's, um, you know, I, I also think it's more powerful for agencies, I would say this for all WordPress agencies, to be identified as something deeper than a piece of software, right? Because it's some sense, we're commoditizing ourselves, right? As the marketplace gets larger, if all we're competing on is I can write better code than the other guy, mm-hmm. um, right? At some point, that's a threshold question. That's a, can you write good enough code? And I don't want to be, you know, I want to broaden the marketplace. I want range and 10 up, right? To both have more, right? You know, kinds of uh, opportunities that they can that they can build instead of just chasing Right, the people that have decided that they want to use WordPress uh, as a platform. And I also, I would say that I also, and I, and meaning this sincerely, I I also feel a great indebtedness, right, and a great, um, a great, uh, I feel it very strongly about taking care of this team, right? I mean, this team is why Tenup is as successful as it is, right? Everybody here, um, and I want to make sure these people have a great career. As long as they want to work here, that they're taken care of. That they have good, they have a good future here. And I don't know, I don't know how I could be a responsible business leader, or John could be a responsible business leader, right, and say that if we want this to be a great place to work in ten years, twenty years, that piece, choosing a piece of software, right, and mm-hmm. saying that's, that's that's that's
0: the hard line.
2: We do. Yeah.
1: So let me. It also also comes down to kind of uh, to put a more market-facing view on it, or a business development-facing view on it. You know, we don't want to just be found by companies that have said, "I have a need," and WordPress is the answer to that need. Mm -hmm. We want to be found by companies who say, "I have a need for a publishing platform." We may then bring to WordPress as a as a tool, right? And so you have to kind of think about how your market, how you're identified to the market, as well as how you're identified to the community, and those may be slightly different.
0: So let's move it into um, some of those more practical things. Um, you know, a lot of people in this industry, I always actually took uh, exception sometimes when people talked about what a big agency was because WordPress agency is a very strange thing to say. So even when 10Up was 20 or 30 people, people were like, oh, 10Up's huge. But compared to say just an ad agency or someone that did mostly digital in a regional capacity. Uh, plenty of those are a hundred people or more. Um, and
2: yeah, a thousand person. Sure. Sure. And
0: they can use, uh, 90% WordPress for, as their solution, but that doesn't mean they're embedded in the WordPress community. Um, however, from this bubble that we're talking about and largely, uh, to be frank, the bubble, that's my audience. Um, (laughs) It's, a lot of us are freelancers. A lot of us are in five person companies, two person companies, ten person companies uh-huh. and say you have a ten person company it's kind of relatively simple to grapple, okay, we need a hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue to you know to cash cash uh to have the cash flow we need to support these ten employees or whatever that number is but it's easier to grapple at that level. Um, what are the challenges as you scale? To, for that number to change and how do you deal with uh, that number being much, much larger in a service capacity um, and then I want to lead that into products but let's focus now in a service capacity where you're only as good as your next contract.
2: Sure, I'll, I'll start. Um, so I think the two things that I would want to highlight which I don't lose a second. Um, the first is that it's been very essential to our growth to not focus on in and out Right. Projects, right. We very strongly focus, right. Both in new business development and how we foster those relationships and build those relationships when we engage, not, you know, there is no way 10 up as it's structure today, right. Could switch to having to do only turnaround projects, build a website, and get out. There's no way I'm selling 60 people's worth of work, projects worth of projects, right? Every few months. Um, what we're doing is we're having a major. We have a major focus on what does it mean when we're done with the site? What's the ongoing commitment for us to continue to maintain and help you build the site? Focusing on customers like the tech crunches and the nine to five max and those kind of you know sort of showcase customers that have constant ongoing improvement that are always looking to keep making their site better, right? And stay ahead of the you know stay ahead of their competitors. Um, so the number one thing when you talk about building this kind of an agency, you have to be thinking not in terms of what's just the coolest build a website and go away project, but what are the coolest recurring revenue uh, projects. The second thing that I would say, the re- I mean, the rest of it is not, again, is not particularly special to WordPress, right, as an industry, which is… We talk a lot about things like business tracks, right, and everything, and that there is a certain base of business knowledge, which I've said many times has nothing to do with WordPress, right, you know, as a platform in terms of what it means to have things, which we luckily haven't had to tap, like lines of credit, right? If you hit a cash flow bump on what it means to do collections very effectively, on what sort of strategy you should have for how much you should be collecting up front. Versus what your, you know, your monthly collections should be. I mean, there's a lot of the finance, a lot of the financial apparatus of a company like this, um, which is why I encourage people that are interested in business to get outside of WordPress, right, and go seek mentors that probably don't care less about what WordPress
1: is. Right, and um, these are problems that have known solutions, right? This, is, this yeah. is not. We're not the first services agency to have these issues. There, are things that are well known and have best practices and patterns for that, that that can be adopted or adapted.
2: Yeah, and and I would say, like, you know, because I mean. I like this bubble. Right? The bubble's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just important to get outside the bubble sometimes. right? I would say that um, I, I think that sometimes our community has a mindset of like with these kind of challenges that there's a WordPress way of doing it, right? And, and that's where I think like that's that's where some of my thinking around like things like business tracks, right, like come in, which is there's not when it comes to fundamentally how you run a service agency, how you finance a service agency, the mechanics of a service agency. It is not a unique thing to WordPress. And the people that are smartest about it and best about it have no interest in going to like a word camp.
0: So I think one of the one of the things that makes that difficult for some people to understand is when they think of okay what's my ongoing relationship they're limiting themselves to maybe hosting and maintenance updates. How do you expand your services and and bring someone's a client's horizons beyond something that maybe has a couple hundred dollar value per month or whatever they value it at maybe it's a thousand dollars but how do you get them into like a, a more legitimate retainer contract and what are the kind of types of problems you can help them solve on that ongoing basis? Sure. So just, to-
2: Again, it's always two two quick thoughts. There, the first is for many of the customers that we focus on, right, especially on the publishing side of the business. The web is their medium, right? Like the idea to me that they just like make a website and don't touch it, right? Don't continue to improve it, don't continue to have future phases, don't have a roadmap for how to stay ahead and keep their website compelling and up to date and build in new features and build in new integrations. I mean, I think that there's a lot of customers out there, right? Especially, especially, admittedly, on the higher end scale right, of customers that should be thinking about how they constantly improve, right, and make better. I mean, if you have a physical storefront, you don't put up your display in the front windows, right, and organize the store and never touch it again, right? You're constantly maintaining and moving around the displays and putting up new displays and refining how you, you know, how you sell those customers that walk into your store. And the same thing is true of an online property. I would say how how people in this community that want to grow should be, in the second part, engaging with their customers is also critical, right? Like you should be if you position yourselves as a coder, tell me what you want built and I'll go build it and then mm-hmm. go about your business, you're probably setting yourself up to be a short-term right, relationship. If you, if you in those early phases, bring value, bring strategy, bring ideas right, that help them build their business, that show that you're a partner that has business solutions, right, that you create those kind of relationships. It's why we call everybody a ton of engineers right, instead of developers because the definition of an engineer is not a coder, it's not a programmer, it's somebody that builds a solution to a problem.
0: So when yeah, so- and I think it is.
1: As Jake was saying, you know, part of it is is finding the customers for whom continuing investment makes sense, and those are people for whom the web is more critical to their business. Um, I've often said, you know, your website isn't a project. It's the single best way you have for connecting to your partners, customers, prospective customers, employees, etc. Right? It's it's the best storefront you could possibly have because it reaches everybody. And if you can't find ways to justify for your client continued investment in that, then they're probably not the right client to build a long-term relationship with And That's not to be critical of them. They, I mean, there are certainly businesses where it makes sense to, to have a fairly cheap build-it-once, yeah. refresh-it-every-year-and-a-half kind of perspective. How do you, Those aren't the clients on whom you're going to build a successful business, right?
0: How would you all say you re- uh, reframe the conversation when uh, someone comes to you saying they're WordPress people and we want them to implement you know, this block of our strategy. But they do have that open mind to what you're talking about, the type of relationship you're talking about. How do you reframe the conversation that you can deliver in those other areas?
1: I think, I mean, it comes down to showing where you've delivered for others, right? So it's, it's, uh, it comes down to kind of demonstrating the value you can add. You know, we always talk about sort of the best way to sell people is to bring real value to the table and, and demonstrate it um, and, and then ask them to pay for it, right? So that it isn't a kind of uh, um, we're going to pitch you on all kinds of things and you're not going to see any value until you start to pay for it. You need to do a little bit of sort of demonstrating your thinking in a proposal and you need to do your thinking as you're – maybe when you are building that first block, you come with some suggestions about other things that could be useful. And that's really what ultimately makes the light bulb go off
2: I'll, I'll tell you a Jake sort of not so secret. If you've ever, if somebody, somebody that's worked with me strategy where like I, from the, first of all, I love what John said about the proposal phase. Cause first of all, you, if you really want to grow a business, you should be thinking about your proposal as your first strategic engagement, right? It's your first chance to show them that you're going to do more than just write down what it is they said that they want built, right? And give them a price tag. I think the second point there is, so my my, my Jake strategy, right? I try before I get on any single weekly, monthly account check-in, weekly project management meeting, sales call, I always ask myself before I go in, what's the one thing I'm going to say or bring to this conversation that this customer didn't already know or think of? right, that adds value,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right, to them. You know, how do I be, how do I, they think of me as not just a doer, but part of their brain, right? Yeah, so- I think
1: we, we have a tendency in this business, again, there, there was a great presentation, I think it was at Confab last year, about sort of uh, focus on deliverables versus experience. And, you know, we can tend to kind of focus on what well, our deliverable, which is the wireframes or the design or the code. But as much as that, what the client is buying is the experience of working with us. And, and that sales process is that first opportunity to understand and experience what is it like to work with 10-Up. So the more that you can be value through that conversation, the more likely they are to see it down the road. And every time you're presenting to a client, it's not just that you need to get the deliverable into their hands. It's also that you're, you're essentially selling a point of view. You're bringing a, a, a consultative guidance to them on how things ought to operate. Uh, and so long as they keep hearing that value, they'll, they'll they'll
0: be excited for it. Do you have a rough guess of what percentage of your business or number of your customers are kind of there on a repeat basis?
2: Sure. So, so um, I will admit before I say this and giving precise numbers that it shifts quite a bit right with us at the scale that we're growing. So it's hard to give like an exact moment snapshot in time. I will say that I would right now somewhere between 60 and 70% of our business is in I would say call them reliably recurring repeat Mm -hmm. business, So repeat business that we know plans to come back, right? Or is under a long-term service agreement or retain agreement. On top of that, the truth is probably the next 20%, right? The next 15 to 20% is customers we don't put in that camp, but we know, right, they'll be back, right? For more work. We don't want to write down and say, we know for sure that we're doing work for them next month, but chances are they keep coming back.
0: And the difference, a practical explanation of that difference could be on one of them, you know, you have a, 20 hour retainer month to month for one site versus the other. You did the first site, but they got nine others just like it that you expect to have a chance at. Exactly. Okay. It really comes
1: down to just what forecast category they belong in in the pipeline, right? Whether it's shoulder or likely exactly. or committed.
0: So based on that metric, I think that can help put it in perspective for other people that you're talking way less than 25% of your business. Adding up the, those two numbers is, uh, in and out type of business that you have to continually seek and and go after new relationships.
2: And then then the revenue of that remaining percent, it's predominantly in maybe not, we can't say recurring projects yet, but longer term projects, Mm -hmm. right? Projects that take five, six, seven months, maybe a year, right? To build. I don't have to worry obsessively about what those people are going to do in that project next month. I have time to find the right deal for them. It's a very, very small fraction of our revenue that's in like month to month, just get a you know fifteen thousand dollars site and crank it out very small amount of our revenue is in those
1: yeah and there is a kind of uh, uh economies of scale here i mean it, it, you know if you're going to do a hundred thousand dollars in revenue do you want to do it through a hundred one thousand dollar projects or two fifty thousand dollar projects or one one hundred thousand dollar project right so there is certainly as you grow the capability and the opportunity to take on some larger projects that helps lower the churn because the sort of number of projects can be smaller we like, though, to stay nimble enough that we can take on uh, that, that our sort of minimum viable project number doesn't get so high that we can't take on some of the projects that are innovative or or that have uh, potential future relationships following them or, or, you know, to be able to take those when we want to is important, too.
0: Uh, is Do you see kind of a, a pattern in terms of WordPress, WordPress-specific WordPress projects, um, kind of what bread-and-butter expectations are like the people do you still get loads of people saying hey um we want a website for five thousand dollars or do you see are people comfortable with fifty thousand dollar websites um i know a lot of times like jake in the past i've heard you talk about you know don't be surprised by six digit budgets a hundred thousand dollars but Honestly that's not that much money if you talk about certain scale where WordPress really is tapping now. So I mean, when are we going to have a million dollar website or do those exist? You know what I mean? Like what's so, what's the what's the range that y'all are seeing because I'm sure you're getting contacted by a whole bunch of different types of organizations.
2: So um the first thing to say is we've Yes, there are plenty of people out there that still want to spend, you know, a small amount of money on their site. There are, and I'm I'm very happy, and I've said this everywhere, that there are small agencies, startups, freelancers that are happy to serve those customers because I think that ladder is extremely important, right, within our ecosystem. We've pretty aggressively narrowed our funnel where it's pretty clear if you go to our website right now and go to our contact page that if you're looking to spend $1,500 or $5,000, you're probably at the wrong place, right? Um so we don't get a lot of those. We still get some people that push through the uh, push through the form, anyways, um, and we're happy to refer those smaller deals that aren't a fit for us to you know to uh, to companies that we think serve them well. You know across that ladder. I mean, there, yes, there are customers that spend seven figures every year on their website. We serve some of those customers. Um, they are not as, to my knowledge. Um, and This again comes to the: is it WordPress first or is it a solution first? Right, they are not as ubiquitous as they are in some platforms like CQ5 that exclusively target, right, the largest com- customers and have been more effective at selling themselves as the primary CMS solution. Um, but I mean, for sure, we have you know we have accounts spend seven figures right in a year. Um, we have some. We certainly have accounts that over the course of the lifetime of the engagement. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think what,
1: one of the things that's critical in that is, is you said sort of, you know, I want a website for fifteen hundred dollars, or I want a website for fifty thousand dollars, or for a million dollars. But what a website is is very different in, mm-hmm. in all of those cases. And so, you know, if you just want, you're you're a local body shop, uh, uh, auto mechanic shop, and you just want to stand up a very basic free theme on uh, with a few plugins. You know, somebody ought to be able to service that customer for $500 for that matter or $1,500 or five grand. But if you're a major publisher who has an ongoing revenue stream from an online publication, you're not trying to be penny wise and pound foolish and, and save 10% on, on web development fees. You're looking for strategic advantage and you're willing to invest more. Um, but the thing you're building is so different, it's kind of like in our industry. You know, if our industry were like the auto industry, and you can buy a bike, or you can buy a Ferrari, or you can buy an aircraft carrier, or a fleet of buses, but you call them all the same thing, and then you were surprised at the price difference between them, right? Because um, they're just very different. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd say the key, the key in all of this, right, is, comp- I think the companies that wake that say, "I want to spend seven figures on WordPress," right? I think is different than the question that we're raising more broadly: of, I want to spend seven figures on my web strategy." Well, I'd also say strategy nobody really to I, use.
1: Nobody says right. I really want to spend seven years. So I <laughs> know, <right. laughs> yeah, They're I love you. cheaper and better, but, but you know, but people who are willing to invest because they see the real return, hmm. we are seeing more of those at the larger end who are willing to consider WordPress, and I think that's right. two for two reasons. One, because the the CIO or tech side of the house is increasingly recognizing that WordPress can do a lot more than they historically have thought but also because we're often now selling to the business side, to the to the CMO or the VP of E-Business, mm-hmm. who frankly maybe cares less what platform it's on um, so long as it meets their needs. And I think the combination of those two things is working in our favor.
0: Yeah. So within this same realm of you know providing solutions and having partners that just they're on the web, so they don't necessarily care uh, that it's WordPress or maybe any other specific niche. However... Um, I know a lot of us sometimes self-inflicted sometimes based on the type of referrals that you know you do one edu site and then another edu site says hey we heard y'all did this one let's do that one um, you kind of we can kind of drive ourselves into a niche in a certain way and sometimes it's self-inflicted I'll, I'll use range as a good, as an example pick on myself uh, you go to our website the word wordpress is in like 300 pixel font on the, on the home page uh, however we don't label ourselves either as, you know, uh, yeah, if it's not WordPress, we're not touching it. We actually like to, uh, tout the fact that we try to be design focused, um, while maintaining, you know, outstanding, uh, WordPress technical ability. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say 10 up to a large degree has been well known for, uh, programming and backend engineering, uh, architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, However, I know that you you have a design pod, but one of many, Uh, and you have now products that are one thing, but you probably also have, I don't know, but you may have content strategy or you may have Mm -hmm. other elements that are part of that overall web experience. How are y'all trying to evolve beyond the 10up, the engineering company?
2: It's a great question, and you're right. I mean, our roots, when we were one person, we can't say we do everything credibly, right? Our roots were in, I think, uh, I would say engineering and publishing experience, right? Like more on the back end, right? Mm-hmm. What it means for a publishing workflow is really where our strength and our a lot of our credibility was. Um, I, I think I've always thought, just couldn't credibly say it when we're five people, right? And we're focused more on the engineering side. I've always thought that design, right, and the humanities, right, side of it, like what you're saying, you know, Brian, I think your strategy smart, Right. I always think that design and its intersection with technology is where the, the most amazing things happen, right? So we're very invested in what it means to have a design portfolio and, right, show that week what we can do with design um, to be as amazing as what we can do with engineering. We have, we have world-class, right, designers at TenUp. Um, I think the, where that work is just starting from the life cycle of our projects is just starting to trickle its way out the door. Um, I, we have some amazing, I know you're, you know you're friends with Daniel, we have some amazingly beautiful, right, inventive uh, projects coming out the door. Um, from our design team, I think push pushup um, is a good example actually of starting to show off um, what we can do on design and what we can do on front end, and there'll be a lot more of that. So design certainly is 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 imminently important to us. I also think it's what I'd also rather sell I think it is easier, and I th- again, why well, I think it's very smart what you're doing, Brian, you know and, and range is doing, I think it is much it is much I'll use the word loosely, easier, maybe more effective to differentiate yourself and stand out from the crowd right? I mean, design creates an immediate emotional connection, right? If somebody likes your design, their, their sense of value, right? You know, somebody will pay thousands of dollars for a painting, right? People don't pay thousands of dollars for a piece of engineering equipment. So design...
1: And, also, and it's also, I mean, it's also important to think about design in the broader sense, right? So that design isn't just how it looks, it's how it works. For right. um, mm-hmm. sort a of broader user experience, design is, is a key part of that. It's not just about... Um, pardon the expression, it's not just about the pretty pictures, right? It's, oh, it's about what's the experience like for the end user. And that brings together engineering and strategy and visual design all, all all, kind of at the same time. That's where we want to continue to grow. Right on.
2: I would say other areas that are interesting for us, I mean, we do a lot of, not a people don't know, no, we do a lot of systems level right consulting to help people that want to own the whole stack and manage it very effectively we're increasingly getting into monetization strategy as a service area to help people actually implement run manage optimize ad campaigns alternative testing right what it means to actually more effectively sell uh, at the end of the day I mean, the number of publishers out there that really don't that either are miserable having to deal with the ad side of their operations and would love to hand that off, right? Or, the, or you know, that simply just don't really kind of stumbled into success, right? Mm-hmm. And haven't optimized what they can be making. Um, to me, is a very ripe area that helps publishers be more successful, right? And able to invest more long-term in their products.
0: So I've got a couple more questions, um, but I, I want to be relatively quick with them. We're Approaching 45 minutes here. Um, Let's try. <laughs> I think it's a valuable conversation, so I think people will forgive us if we go into 50 minutes or an hour. Um, however, so one of those questions that I have is another thing that people often don't do is they're uh, the mind of sales in uh, a lot of service industries is responding to people that try to contact you. Have y'all broadened your sales efforts to going after accounts and do you have people doing sales within TenUp now uh exclusively?
2: So we do have a dedicated sales pod. Um the people that are predominantly focused on that. Pod, I spend a lot of my time um with that group. We have a uh we call a senior strategist named Jason Clark, who's been phenomenal from an agency in a leadership position who focuses full-time on our new business uh, operations. And Paul Clark, who came in through Brainstorm, is also predominantly focused uh, on new business operations, um, in addition to involving other senior strategists, members of our team. So we do have a focused new business development pod. Um, it is We have done some cold outreach on RFP, some, and we certainly do relationship building through networking. Um, uh, in terms of finding deals that don't just directly find us, I will say, you know, I will say in full transparency, we're also blessed to be extremely busy and extremely inundated with great opportunities that find their way through us. I will say a lot of that I think comes through what's not necessarily people going to an office place, right, and trying to drum up business, but doing things like sponsoring events, speaking at all different kinds of conferences, not just word camps, putting out thought leadership right in the space. Um, so right now we are predominantly simply by virtue of bandwidth, hence this growing problem, right? Um, simply by virtue of bandwidth focusing on great incoming opportunities while we continue to focus on networking and brand development. Um, but I do think, and I actually think it's a place for agencies like ours to be collaborative, right? I do think that there is a huge opportunity in the WordPress ecosystem to, to introduce ourselves in more conversations and not wait for not wait for people to come to us. Yeah, no, I think
1: that's, I mean, I think that's absolutely right. One of the things that and I've talked about is, is, you know, as that strategy broadens is where are there other conversations with potential clients happening that are in some ways less WordPress centric where we could have a more renewed impact, right? And, and I think being found in the right conversations as a participant rather than cold calling for, Hey, can I sell you a website? is absolutely the right strategy for a services firm in our space right um and and so continuing to kind of grow the broader 10up community through things like WordCamp camp sponsorships through speaking at other kinds of events through having a presence in other kinds of forums then you can shape your funnel um by way of what uh, what organizations you engage with and, and and what opportunities you take on rather than trying to shape your funnel through you know Super Bowl ads or or whatever else, whatever strategy other kind of direct consumer people
0: take. So I have one more question before then I'm going to want to get an idea of how y'all are going to balance the duties between the two of you. Um, But before we get into that, I want to talk quickly about products. So my perspective, uh, when I hear uh, a larger company that's primarily services getting into products, the thing I instantaneously think about, because I like thinking about the organization of, of, of things and, and how people balance work. To me, it sounds like a great way to fill uh, gaps when you're juggling people between projects. Um, however, that's probably not fair. Uh, it's probably more strategic than that. However, it, you know, from a support perspective and uh, recurring revenue, it seems I'm like that's say, a great way to use it. To but I going uh, to say, it's,
2: it's it's a funny setup because that's actually probably the opposite. I think I have to work very hard to not let our
0: product people get sucked back into. And that's 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 <laughs> primarily why I wanted to ask the question because that's yeah. my first thought. But it's I'm assuming that it's not the the true reason yeah. for the product. So talk to me about yeah. your purpose for that's my dog introducing herself uh so i'm gonna mute myself but talk to me about the purpose of your products and introduce me maybe to uh push up notifications
2: Sure. So, I mean, the purpose of our product, I can say with 100% confidence, the purpose is not to fill gaps. I would love to have gaps to fill and bring more people into product. If anything, honestly, it goes completely the other way. It's, it's, we have to be very diligent about not letting ourselves pull product people into our very busy consulting, right, in services arm. Um, the point of – I think there's a few points uh, in, in full transparency for products. One is I think it would, be, it would be a nice ideal to be able to um, – to that revenue stream point to be able to have some steady income that lets us be more even more choosy, right on the consulting side from a product base. Um, I think that um, I think it's an opportunity for us to demonstrate in both because we enjoy it and for those conversations that John's talking about in terms of thought leadership and introduction. It's a chance to really demonstrate innovation and creative thinking and leadership in a space. Um, I mean, most major agencies that we look up to that are much larger than Ten Up, right, have very aggressive R and D departments right, have departments releasing ideas, releasing free campaigns, releasing promotional, right, tools and ideas to demonstrate their thought leadership and their creativity. So we see that, we see, we see that element. Um, frankly, two products that we will release like PushUp, which I'll speak more to in a moment, fulfill our vision and mission, right? I mean, John said it a few times, our mission and vision as a company is that web publishing content management, which is something that many people think of as arduous, unreliable, painful, right? You know, they, they think of pasting word files into MCE, right? And it breaking everything on the front of their site that we genuinely believe that we can make that process simple, maybe even fun, maybe even something that you can, you know, that brings delight, right? To people managing their contents, we think tools like PushUp, in for, reinforce that vision, help further that vision and mission of making publishing great, um, online great, and then. Um, and I think you know if I'm if I'm being you know fully transparent here, I, I also think that we it can create in its best form. It can create not just a showcase for what we can do, but it can create. We hope like a, a sort of halo effect. Right? We hope that by having products, even if they're not profitable in the pure sense of cost versus the revenue that they bring in, that they create an association of our brand right, with, you know, with, um, with innovation, with, you know, with pushing the envelope. Um, I think that
1: was yeah, the, the why. I like to think about it as kind of the, you know, the best case scenario is a product becomes wildly profitable, and then it helps drive revenue that lets us be selective on what clients we take. The sort of worst case scenario is a product is, is marginally successful or breaks even, but is a chance to demonstrate innovation and in how we think about the market and help our clients with a need that, that, that's real, um, that we were able to solve. And so it's kind of a win-win, right?
0: Worst mm-hmm. case scenario is still a pretty good thing um, mm-hmm. in our case. Right on. Push-up notifications is y'all's first product. And uh, you've had a collaboration with SEO Slides before, but it wasn't really a 10-up sp- project. It was correct. a partnership with, uh, what's their name again?
2: Uh, so it's a company called Alorum. Um, okay. We made an investment in them because we believe in their long-term roadmap and their strategy. Um, but you know, so we, But yeah, Yeah. it's not, it's not our product. It's not our, we don't manage it.
0: Push up Um, notifications is uh, something that started with a client project. Is that correct? And then what is it now? What, how does it benefit a website owner?
2: Sure, so PushUp, the origin of PushUp is some of our largest customers, particularly ones in the Apple space, right, that are a lot a large audience that follow what their news is, being really interested in this idea of push notifications, not coming from apps, but being delivered from websites, which I think is a large part of the future, right, of news delivery. So it actually started in our naive way. It started as how hard can this be? We'll build a free, I genuinely started as we'll build a free plugin, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no good solution out there for now, let alone one that's compliant with the standards of a of a, of a platform like on your shirt, WordPress.com VIP, right? So many um, great projects start with
1: that. How hard could it be? From?
2: Yeah. And uh, as it turns, so we thought we build a free plugin, give it away, right? To help WordPress in the community. And as it turns out, it's actually very hard right, to do this. And it requires Apple, Apple's in particular, the push notification service is expensive to set up on your own, right, and requires serious infrastructure. I mean, you have to have buy an Apple developer certificate, you have to have, you know, dedicated IP with SSL certificates, you have to be able basically every time you make a push request, you're writing packets and zipping them up on your file system and doing a remote Connection to Apple to actually deliver the notification requests, you have to stream, open a stream connection to Apple. If you, Brian, as you know, being a great WordPress developer, those are not things you can put a plugin in the repo and say, <laughs> go, you know, ahead. "Go figure it out." So we decided, so we built a SaaS infrastructure with multi-threaded technology, right, with load balancing and backup and everything else to make it extremely easy, right, for somebody else to just install a plugin, use our services, use our infrastructure. Right. And to be able to say, just all they have to do is enter some keys and then just check a box. Right. And to make that to make, again, what could be a miserable experience for somebody trying to try use a content management system, you know, and make it make it something really pleasant, really easy, really and, delightful.
0: And by a website owner signing up for push up, uh, what they get for that is that someone who visits their website in a browser on uh, Mac OS X, uh, specifically Mavericks for now, um, they see a notification in Safari that says, do you want to receive noti- uh, automatic notifications similar to like a growl update, I assume, mm-hmm. uh, for this website. And then they can opt in. And then every time you publish a post with the option toggled to push it to people, then they'll receive that notification as if someone mentioned them on Twitter, or they received an email. Yeah.
2: Yep, so that's what version 1.0 is. We plan to extend that vision, but it's basically for anybody who's used iOS, you know when you open an app it says do you want to allow to send you push notifications and then it can deliver those notifications. It's basically that integrated with Apple brought that technology to OS 10 in the browser with the idea being – and I, I would be shocked, honestly, if this doesn't come to iOS 8, which is where I think the floodgates really open. I think they're testing this technology on Mavericks to see how it performs, to see mm-hmm. its adoption rate because I think Apple knows that the future is not – if you they know that notifications is part of the future, like on-demand delivery of content. I think they know that that shouldn't all be in apps, right, that you should be able to go to a website just like you go to an app and say, give me a notification when something important comes up. And, right, so it's that technology right now built into Mavericks,
0: built into the browser, and also it's uh, one of the things I mentioned in the post was this is cool. Except for I haven't opened Safari in months, uh, so maybe there's a huge audience that uses that, but I know I don't, and I'm assuming I'm not alone. You said that it's probably coming soonish to sure. Chrome and Firefox and other browsers. So- so the truth is,
2: Apple has the best implementation, right? The, the the Safari Seven Mavericks implementation is the best because the browser doesn't have to be open. Like the same idea of iOS notifications, that there's one stream that Apple opens a connection to instead of streams for every single thing that wants a notification. So their implementation is the best um, and the most sophisticated. I think what I think what the next step will be for us is to make people that are on Mavericks but that do not use Safari aware that that option is available if they don't have Safari open. Um, and then there are implementations of notifications in Chrome and Firefox. So they're not as good, right? You have to have the browser open. You have to establish a connection with the website. Um, but we do want to, we do want to, you know, at least open up that, you know, that option to other people.
0: And the customers. the monetization for this is essentially based on how many notifications someone is uh, sending in a given month, correct?
2: Yep. We have a pay-as-you-grow model, so um, I mean, there, we've seen some alternatives. That I think are kind of gimmicky in terms of, you know, your feature locked, right? Mm-hmm. You know, based on pricing, or they charge you up the wazoo once you get past a certain point. Um, you know, of notifications. Our philosophy is very simple, which is you pay a one-time fee. That one-time fee takes care of all the costs associated with provisioning with Apple, setting up the connections, managing everything, and gives you up to hundred unique notifications. Which, if you're a small blog or a family blogger, um, you know, right is probably all you need, right? So it gives you up to 100 a month for, the, for life, for the lifetime of the product. Um, and then, as you grow, right, as you get more interest and as you choose to push more notifications and as you get a lot of people that are subscribing right, and, and delivering that value on it, then you start to pay. So if you're, if you're a small blogger, if, you, if you're an individual blogger that's gotten popular that has maybe five, you know, maybe a few hundred people that have subscribed to your site in Safari and maybe you push out five to ten noteworthy publications a month, you're probably only paying a couple bucks. Right, you know, if you're a small business with maybe 500 interested people, but you're probably only pushing news once, twice, two, three times a month, you're probably paying four dollars, right, a month, all the way up to the largest publishers, right. We have Gigom coming online, on it. we have other major publishers coming online, on it. If you're the largest publishers, you know, you're pushing a million unique notifications a month. It's you know, it's you know, ninety nine dollars, mm-hmm. and then incremental from there. So our philosophy basically is as you become successful using our products, our, as our product delivers success for you, right, as a customer you know, um, that, that's when you start to pay us.
0: And do y'all have uh, new products that you're already outlining to come out in the future?
2: We have at least one other product that we're really excited about that's uh, in a beta phase. We've tested it with some of our customers who, with uh, great feedback. Um, I think the challenge, so we do we do still plan to get that product out the door. I think the challenge for us is, uh, again, far from having gaps is, is, you know, is making the time, but also not letting product become a, a cost sinkhole. Um, to keep it a very lean team at the company until it's more, you know, until it has its own sort of successful financial metrics. Um, so we have, I mean, if there's one thing that I struggle with every day, it's to not pull people away from the core of our business, right, which is consulting, right? Because I, I mean, I could have, I, I could easily, if I had the revenue to justify, I could easily have 10 people working full time, right, on our product ideas. I would, I would love push up to be already where I see it being in a year, right, you know, mm-hmm. even faster. But short answer to your question, yes, there are other products in our pipeline,
0: so I look forward to the ex- exclusives on those. Uh, my, my final question, and I really appreciate y'all spending this much time with me, um, is what is 10Up going to look like? Maybe what kind of changes might we see with John, you coming into the CEO role? Uh, maybe some things that you all already want to implement and how are y'all going to balance leadership within the company between Jake as president and founder and John as CEO? What's that going to look like uh, moving forward?
1: Yeah, so I think that's a great question. I mean, one of the things that that I, I would just start with is, you know, I'm joining a, 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 what I consider a very high-performing team, right, with a very strong leadership group working with Jake for the last couple of years. So I'm not um, coming in with a 90-day plan. We're going to implement Six Sigma and we're going to change the way everything works, right? My, my real focus in the first 90 days is going to be listening and getting to know what's effective that's already in place, right? So it's not, um, you know, when you join a company that's failing, uh, when you bring in a CEO, they often come in with a big action plan and a, and a whole set of rescue strategies. And that's absolutely not the case here, right? The company is growing and successful and has done great work. Um, I think in the long, uh, longer term, uh, you know, Jake's excitement about products that we were just witnessing, you know, I come from the services side much more heavily and, and, and have, I think, a healthy suspicion of products. Um, so I think we'll play together nicely from that perspective in the sense that, Brian, did we just lose you? No, yeah, I'm the here. Video. Oh, there you go, okay, just my lost video from there. I think that um, you know, balancing uh, the growth of the services business with the products as they grow and as they become profitable, um, Jake certainly will head up kind of our internal reinvestment, product development um, kind of strategy for product development as a whole. I'll focus more on uh, oversight of the consulting business uh, and direct management of the leadership team. And, you know, I think naturally, both by tendency and by background, I'm really focused on organizational development, goal setting, strategy, mentoring and coaching the staff, kind of making sure that we're both recruiting the right people, but also that the people who work for 10UP are getting smarter and have access to what they need to do their jobs effectively and kind of uh, running a, a, an effective uh, Ship as it were and I think Jake and and I both share uh, new business development, recruiting and community relationships Um, but I think the sort of short version is I think of Jake as driving the forward looking strategy and me as focused on executing against that strategy though obviously we have lots of back and forth and and lots of productive arguments about um, directions as well
0: Awesome Um, Anything to add there Jake?
2: Yeah, I think John hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I couldn't be more excited for him to do <laughs> for it. For the first I, I would, oh, time, I, I I'm
0: super convinced that was the right choice. I've never heard Jake say, <laughs> "Thank God." <man. laughs> I have nothing else worry. to add. Um, I, I will.
2: I, the only thing that I will add is that obviously, you know, this is in concert with our leadership team. We're really lucky yes. to have some phenomenal directors and phenomenal VPs um, at the company, and you know, John and I are going to be working very closely with them on all those points. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, that was when Jake and I first started talking about this role. That was. I think on my first list of requests is I want to talk to everybody on the leadership team because, you know, I, I knew many of them by reputation or, or from the community, but to really have a chance to talk to the, the set of leaders that Jake's assembled and, and, and have very open conversations with them about what challenges they see and what successes they've seen mm-hmm. um, was really what convinced me that it was the right role and the right time for it.
0: Great. Well, uh I thank you both for spending time with me today and I look forward to seeing uh, what 10up does next. Uh, I know from my perspective as a semi-competitor but semi-observer uh, um, seeing another company in, in the WordPress community uh, doing what y'all are doing is, is exciting and um, I just look forward to uh, seeing John where your influence goes and 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 how 10up continues to evolve um, and I know that you know you coming in as a ceo and um it it's kind of like y'all both were in blazers today uh i'm not <laughs> i'm not surprised I but have it's my
1: the on too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's uh blazers with with a flash of casual on the t-shirt but cool. uh um
1: i don't have my ten up look yet or i be wearing that too
0: but. yeah but it really does i mean i guess it, my point <laughs> being it y'all are y'all are really showing kind of the serious side of of wordpress businesses and that's a good thing for our for our ecosystem. Um, so I look forward to, to seeing y'all both this year, hopefully at some WordCamp events. Um, John, you can be found at com and on Twitter at Jekman, Jeckman, J E C K M A N. And of course, both y'all are on 10UP and Jake here, Jake M Gold on t- uh, Twitter, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. Yep. Um, so thanks so much for joining, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Y'all have a good day. Thanks Brian. Thanks Brian.
1: Thanks for